0: you're listening to the market lane coffee podcast my name is Einar and today i'm here with jason and fleur who just returned from their trip to guatemala hello jason hello fleur
1: welcome back could you tell us a little bit
0: about your trip
1: to guatemala yes hello Einar. hello everyone thanks for listening yeah we just got back from our trip to guatemala it was Felt really long and really short at the same time. We tried to pack in as much as we could. Uh, it was a couple of years since we last visited. So we had we have some really long-standing relationships there in Guatemala that we were desperate to catch up with all our suppliers and yeah, spend some quality time with them that we've been missing for the last couple of years. So uh, we managed to visit... Um, all of our main suppliers and taste
2: a few new coffees as well. Hi everyone, this is Fleur. Very excited to be talking about our trip. So we flew to Guatemala via LA and we spent 24 hours there on the way over it was really exciting because we could visit two accounts that we wholesale coffee to. Uh, one is called Cumquat, and the other is called Dayglo. They both serve Market Lane Coffee alongside other roasters from around the world. And it was just so exciting to see our coffee being served in those locations. In LA, we also visited a few other coffee friends, coffee shops um, before heading to Guatemala. The flight from LA to Guatemala City is about five hours When we arrived, we went straight to visit one of our export partners there called Prisma which is a beautiful family-run export company. It's only, I think it's only about 10 years old, and it's run by a lovely man called Eduardo and his wife, Luisa, and um, Eduardo's brother, Edwin. They all used to work at Anna Cafe. Eduardo was the head of quality control there for many years and was very involved in the Cup of Excellence program and and still to this day is um, a head judge on many of the competitions. Um, So we first met him in 2010 when we attended the Cup of Excellence in Guatemala. They've since gone on to open a business that's very focused on helping connect small producers with buyers like ourselves. And we started working with Prisma in 2019. We spent some time cupping in their new lab that they've just opened. They opened in 2020 and tasting through lots of beautiful coffees with them. We were really excited with a lot of the coffees we tasted. We have found a beautiful new female producer called Iris um, who had a gorgeous lot on the table that we've purchased that will be featuring on the menu this year. And we also tasted some great lots from a new cooperative up in Hue Hue Tenango, called Todos Santos or El Sendero. So they're a, a cooperative buying from lots of small producers in the Huehuetenango Tenango region, which is up in the northwest of Guatemala. So there were two new coffees that we discovered on the cupping table. And then we also tasted through some lots from La Maravilla, which is a coffee we've been buying since 2013.
0: This was the first trip back to Guatemala for a while, maybe four years or so?
2: Yeah, since 2019. So we nearly ended up there in 2020 and um, cancelled our flight, I think, the day we were meant to fly, which was quite lucky um, because I would have ended up with closed borders in Guatemala. I think the borders closed about two days after I was due to fly there.
1: Yeah, one of the producers that we spent a lot of time with was Ricardo Zelaya from Santa Clara. He has been very, very busy um, during the COVID lockdown. So there's, there actually has been a lot of changes at Santa Clara, but also at the neighboring farm, Hacienda Camona. Um, we featured that coffee for the first time last year um, because we loved it on the cu- cupping table. And we were just really excited to, to visit the old uh, farmhouse and see the estate and, yeah, just check out some of the amazing changes he's made there. He's basically managing the farm with his cousin, Luis Pedro, for his auntie. Um, so she's now, I think, 82 or something, and she's living in Antigua City, and she's too old to basically do any management of the farm. So the two the two cousins have taken over, and they're basically running it and trying to like pretty much restore the whole thing. But it's a massive project. So Camona is like 750 hectares. There's a a dairy on site. There's um, a very old farmhouse, a garden. Also, this other project that Bell's been running called Camona Trails, which is like a mountain bike trail company, which is really cool. So you can subscribe and become a member and just use the the bike trails through Camona whenever you like. There's also been some, you know, obviously more um, challenging things that have happened. Um, at Santa Clara with um, COVID-19. So they had some real challenges with picking coffee in 2020 and 2021 and 22 as well. It was a bit easier, but still challenging. And basically it was that, you know, during 21, pickers weren't allowed to move around very much. So they had some pickers there when some of the lockdown started. They were sort of trapped, like they, they couldn't go back to their own homeland. So Ricardo and Ronnie from La Soledad, they you know banded together to try and get some accommodation together for um at least some of these pickers and you know help supply them with food and care basically for the time that they were stuck in antigua so yeah we heard we heard a lot of stories about like you know tough covid times and things like that everyone's got you know war stories like that but but yeah on the whole there's been a lot of really positive positive changes
0: one of the challenges that they have at the moment is the shortage of pickers can you tell us about that situation
1: yeah it's really tough. So I mean, as most people probably know, there's a really big migration of people from Central America up to the United States, and it's it's been in the news because of you know Donald Trump in 2020 and and Biden since then. He's also been trying to make some changes, but but there are millions of people who are leaving Guatemala, Honduras, you know, even down to Peru and Venezuela they're leaving their home country to go try and work in the United States. And they're doing this because basically the wages are better, the economic security is better in the United States. Um, most of the time they travel alone, so they'll, they'll leave their family in Honduras or Guatemala and they'll travel by themselves. They'll use uh, someone called a coyote, and a coyote is someone who will illegally run you you know, across the border from Guatemala to Mexico and then uh, from Mexico to the United States. Yeah, it's a challenging situation because, of course... You know, why shouldn't they be able to work in the States for 15 bucks an hour rather than, you know, Guatemala where the minimum wage is, you know, one-tenth of that or something. Um, But It has a really wide-ranging impact on the labor market in Guatemala. So, it's not just that, you know, the main sort of breadwinner for the family is out of, you know, no longer in the country but the worker who's in Guatemala now is sending money back to their family in Guatemala to support them so this also means that you know sometimes where the mother or the wife would have worked she doesn't work anymore she's basically able to live off the income that her husband in the states is providing so so it's 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 had a big really big impact and the hardest impact we saw was in uh, Huehuetenango because it's so close to the Mexican border it was the hardest hit so they've had a lot of people migrate from Huehuetenango up to um, Mexico.
2: One very real example was um, that we source coffee from was Santa Isabel so normally they have around 500 pickers during the harvest and this year they've got 120 so it's huge huge shortages in labour. One of the things that we did talk about was that in some places it's having maybe a positive impact and maybe it's just redistributing the way estates or, or coffee is being produced. In Huehuetenango, there's a region called Santa Barbara, which is where a lot of the picking workforce used to reside um, and that's where um, a lot of the, the – there's been the largest amount of migration to the states. Um, but what's happening there now is – Um, With the money that's being sent back from the states, a lot of the families that are still in Santa Barbara are buying land and starting to produce coffee themselves. So there's lots of smaller estates that are starting to pop up and some of the larger estates who are struggling to find labour are shrinking. It might mean that over time some of the larger estates become smaller and then there are more smaller estates starting to pop up.
1: one of the other producers that we saw a lot of changes on their farm was uh, Wicho, Luis Valdez from Santa Isabel. We've been buying his coffee since 2011, but this year he's really trying quite a different approach um, on his farm. And he described it as homeopathy, which might not be exactly the right term, but to me it sounded a lot like biodynamics and introducing a more sort of holistic approach to coffee farming. So he's trying to basically harvest a lot of um, bacteria and microorganisms from his farm, increase their volume by like sort of farming them in a strange way, and then using that to strengthen the coffee plants against um, funguses and bacteria and pests. So he, he's, he's doing this with pretty incredible results. So he's he's already found that he can reduce his insecticide use down to zero, um, which is pretty amazing. And his fungicide use has been reduced by about 50%. So it's, it's a really big change. It will save him money, but that more of the point is that it's probably going to improve yields and uh, improve flavor. And he also sees it as a much more sustainable way of farming. So rather than pouring a lot of you know, fertilizer or inputs into the ground. It's it's more using the local ecology and using the natural biodiversity of his farm. He'll be able to improve the, the results that he's getting.
2: It was quite incredible. He showed us some coffee trees that had leaf rust on particular leaves on the tree. And typically on a coffee farm, if you see leaf rust, it will it'll ruin the whole plant. But in this case, the leaf rust seemed to be confined to only a couple of leaves and the tree was surviving and living with leaf rust on it. I think the idea behind some of the methods that he's using is that the pests don't go away and the diseases don't go away but the trees are more robust and they can naturally coexist with these diseases or um, bugs without it destroying the tree.
0: Speaking of Santa Isabel, there's mm-hmm. also a couple of um, more unusual varietals coming.
2: Yeah, Wicho has been trialling lots of different varieties on his coffee farm. And we heard a rumour a couple of years ago, or we, we were told by Wicho that he had planted SL28 on his farm. And this year there was enough to produce around a bag of, of that lot. And we tasted it on the cupping table and... It was really distinct. It had um, beautiful, bright acidity. It was quite tropical and floral, and we really enjoyed it. So we've purchased that coffee for Market Lane this year, so it'll be a limited release that will be featured.
0: Any other special coffees coming, Jason?
1: Yeah, we have some other beautiful lots coming. So we we tasted a really – probably the best coffee on the trip was a Pacamara variety from Santa Clara. Um, and, again, just a really, really small lot. I think there's only – 100 kilos or something. And yeah, so MarketLane bought that. I'm really excited um to again taste that and see how it lands. Ricardo's also, you know, producing this Panama Geisha variety coffee. And again, that was tasting exceptional and excited to get that back. There's a little bit of experimentation with like anaerobics and things like that, but not as much as I saw in Ethiopia. Like, I think there's still the predominant way of processing coffee is washed. And a, a big part of that is just that they don't really have a good climate for. You know, producing natural processed coffee, it's it's really difficult. And to do it well, you need a greenhouse or like, you know, properly covered beds.
0: So it sounds like you tasted a lot of delicious coffees. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're looking for in general when you're tasting Guatemalan coffees and what makes them so special?
2: When we're tasting the coffees, we're always looking for coffees that are really sweet and balanced and showcase a taste of place in a a really distinct and special way. So um, Guatemala has um, lots of different growing regions and the taste of the coffee can vary quite a lot depending on where it's been grown. And so we're looking for coffees that really reflect the place in which they're grown. We buy coffee from Antigua. Um, we, from there we buy La Soledad and Hacienda Comona and Santa Clara, and the coffees there tend to have a beautiful red apple acidity, a good strong body, and tend to be really sweet and balanced and make really delicious espressos. We also buy coffee from Huehuay Tenango. Um, this year, we'll have coffee from La Maravilla again and also El Sendero, a new cooperative. Coffees in Huehue Tenango come from soil that's non volcanic, unlike most parts of Guatemala. Um, the altitudes are very high in Huehue, and um, the region benefits from a unique microclimate which enables coffee to grow at quite high altitudes. The coffees from this region tend to be incredibly floral, quite distinct on the table, have beautiful complexity um, and acidity. And then the other main region that we buy from is Caban. We source coffee from Santa Isabel here. Caban is quite unique in that it has quite a lot of rainfall over, I think, over 12 months, 10 months has some form of rain. Um, That means the, the flowering period and the the period in which the trees have fruit is very extended. So, um, Luis Valdez from Santa Isabel has to really stagger the way he harvests the coffee and processes it. His coffee is incredibly distinct. It's one that we always fall in love with on the cupping table and also recognise. Um, again, it's very tropical, very floral, um, very complex.
1: There are two other um, coffees that we're buying this year that's new for, uh, for Market Lane. Um, the first one's from a region called Santa Rosa, which we don't buy a lot of coffee from, called Las Scotinas. And yeah, we don't know a lot about this yet, but it really stood out beautifully on the cupping table. Um, it's produced by a woman named Iris.
2: Iris is very young. Um, she's an agronomist. Um, her farm is quite small. So the, the lot that we're purchasing, I think, is only 10 bags in size. But it was really distinct and delicious on the table, so really excited to be featuring that.
1: And uh, the other coffee that we're buying for the first time is a coffee called Santa Ana La Huerta, or just Santa Ana, and it's produced by uh, Ronnie, who also owns La Soledad. It's in a different region, so um, his main farm is in Antigua, and this farm's definitely definitely a bigger farm, and it's a little bit more commercial. But the quality this year was really exceptional and we're excited to, um, to share it with everyone. I think it probably will just be a coffee club coffee, but we'll see.
0: At the moment, we do have some Guatemalan coffees on our menus. The ones that you tasted now are the ones that are coming later. When, when can we expect these coffees to be on our shelves?
1: We're hoping to have the first containers land in August or so. Um, the later coffees will land maybe September, October. And we would hope to start using them at the end of the year, basically, end of 23.
2: One of the really exciting things about the way that we ship La Soledad and Santa Clara is that they land in Australia in bulk bags. So we have large one ton bags in which the coffee is packed into rather than smaller 30 kilo bags. Uh, We found the coffee travels really well in this way because of the volumes we're buying for blend. It also reduces the waste quite significantly. So there's just a lot less waste produced by shipping the coffee. So it's been really exciting to be able to move all of the coffee in that way from Guatemala. On the trip, we had some really special time with the Zelaya family. We've been buying from the Zelaya's since we started Market Lane. So Santa Clara has been on our menu from the day we opened our doors and since about 2013 I think we've been supporting an amazing initiative called the Santa Clara Scholarship Fund which was set up by Belle and Katia who are Ricardo's daughters and it's been amazing over the last decade to see that program evolve in really positive ways. During our trip Belle sat us down and gave an amazing talk on where the the fund is at and what their dreams and hopes are for the future. For those that aren't familiar with Santa Clara Scholarship Fund, it's set up specifically to support the children of the workers of Santa Clara and to support them with their education. So the Zelayas provide funding for their books and uniforms and school fees and travel they don't fund 100% of the tuition fees, um, but they fund about 80% of them. They try to tie it to performance and trying really hard. So they really encourage the students to get good results as a commitment to the program. And Bell shared with us that their vision is to make sure that, or, or to get to 70% of all workers' children being supported by the program. Currently, it's about So they're they're getting close to that goal. One of the really exciting things um, about chatting with Bell about the program was that they have a lot more structure around it now and and a a much um, clearer pathway to being able to support the students. They've also got a lot of plans to give additional support in other areas, so supporting um, the students with getting jobs, so giving them support with resumes and interview skills, um, specifically supporting the, the female students and doing some female empowerment. In the coming months we'll share more of the presentation that Bell um, gave to us. There's some really exciting things that I think Market Lane will definitely be getting behind and helping them reach their goals and achieve their vision for the program.
0: Okay, so that sounds like a very good trip and some delicious coffees coming later this year. Thank you very much for your time.
2: Thank you. I think, I think one of the things that really resonated with us when we were there was just how deep the friendships are that we've developed with the coffee producers in Guatemala over the years. It felt like we were greeting long lost friends. Um it was really good to hug them, to to be there and to really talk about how COVID had affected them face to face and feel it. I don't think you can appreciate those things over the phone or via a Zoom call. So um it was just really special to be back on the ground spending time with them and their families. Um, and we can't wait to visit again next year.
1: Thanks everyone for listening. Um, please send any feedback to training at marketlane.com.au
0: Thank you. Thank you very much.